Welcome to the Rule Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. This week, we're with Andrea Stordahl of Minnesota Rest in McIntosh, Minnesota. Andrea is sharing her story of how she and her family are giving back to a community that gave so much to her and her family when they needed it most. They're restoring Main Street and bringing in a handful of new businesses, turning this town of 625 into a destination that both serves the locals and is drawing crowds from all around. So here we go with Andrea Stordahl. Okay, we're here today with Andrea Stordahl of Minnesota Rust from McIntosh, Minnesota. Andrea, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am um, so honored that you decided to talk to us about our little town. So, Well, I can't wait to share your story. So tell us a little bit about you. Were you born and raised in Minnesota? I was. I was born and raised in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, which is um, in the lakes country. So it's, it feels like it's a completely different world than here because it's just, you know, lakes and tourism and all that kind of stuff. And um, I grew up in Fergus Falls and then I went to school in Fargo, um, North Dakota. I met my husband and then I ended up moving to McIntosh, Minnesota, which I said I would never. There was one thing I wasn't going to do. It was going to be moving to McIntosh. So here I am. Here you are. <laughs> Things worked out well for me. <laughs> So what was your connection to Macintosh and what ultimately made you actually move there? Okay. So my husband from this teeny tiny town and his parents are organic farmers or they were when I met him and um, came back here and it's a beautiful community. It's really cute. And we're, we always say we're in the middle of nowhere, but we're kind of in the middle of everywhere. So we're an hour from Detroit Lakes. We're an hour from Bemidji. We're an hour from Grand Forks, North Dakota. We're kind of in the midst of all of it on Highway 2. But um, they had an organic dairy farm here. And at, at one point, and it was about six years ago, his brother, Bryce's brother, that's my husband, um, and his only sibling got sick with cancer. And so after his battle was done, because he passed away, we had children because it just kind of changed our whole perspective on things because I wasn't going to have kids and I wasn't going to move to Macintosh. So we ended up having kids and we decided we wanted to be closer to family and to have this type of childhood for our kids. So we moved up here to help with, with that farm. And um, actually, the year after we got here, Bryce's father was diagnosed with cancer. And he passed away the year after. So wow. what brought us here was just total fate, I think, and just total blessing in disguise. And so that's how we got here, basically. So did yeah. you have any intentions of opening a store? Was that ever a thought? No, <laughs> no. Um, it's funny how things work. Cause we were going to come here and help on the organic dairy farm. And so that's a lot of work. I'm, you know, people know that, but it's like all the time, every day, no breaks, which we were fine with, except for when Jim got sick, we realized that this was not something that we could do um, alone. And we came to be a partnership. So we ended up kind of having everything flipped upside down and we're like, 
now what do we do? You know, we're in McIntosh, Minnesota. His mom was still here, but he had lost his brother and his father in the past, you know, five years. And we had these two little kids and we were renting a house in town. And I just kind of fell in love with the town because of how they helped us during all of that. So um, Jim, his father was an extension agent. So he was very well known and he helped a lot of farmers. And so through him and um, his wife, my mother-in-law, Roxanne, we got to know a lot of people and they were just so amazing when all of this happened and they were just so supportive and it was like this being surrounded by love. And I know that sounds really cheesy and it makes me tear up, but, um, it seriously got us through everything. And so it changed everything. And we decided that what we wanted to do instead was put everything we had into the town. So we just, cause we're crazy. Um, or that's how it started. I mean, I always had a business, um, since my son was born just because I was working at home, but I never thought about ever being able to do anything like this or even wanting to. And it just, it's been amazing. So it's kind of a faith story, you know, too. It is. I'm so sorry you had to go through all of that, but I'm also grateful that the town really just changed your heart on a lot of things. It sounds like a ton of stuff. And I think you realize what's important and what you want your kids to have in their lives. And I think a lot of these things have been taken for granted for a while. Just so Fergus Falls, where I grew up was about 14,000 people. But it was a different experience because it's just big enough. So you don't necessarily, you might know who everybody is, but you're not close to everybody. Um, And then we have a big tourist, you know, tourism area. So there's like Otter Tail Lake and there's all these different places. So life is just a lot busier. And so when you move into a rural town that's 600 people and um, you don't have access to things that you always thought you needed and everything, it just changes. And I'm sure during this whole pandemic, people are actually realizing that too, that like you really actually don't need that much. If you've got good people, if you've got good people, you're going to be just fine. Um, They've always done it this way. And I just, I think it's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, I agree. So you decided to invest in the town. What gave you the idea for the store? Um, so I've always had this vintage and antique store idea as far as a business, not the store maybe. But, um, you know, we all have a dream and think, you know, this is what we're going to do with our lives. And I always loved design. I always loved decor. But, you know, that's not a career. So I went to college thinking that wasn't a career. And I got you know, a degree. I went to Concordia College in Moorhead. And it was wonderful. And I got out of college and didn't do anything with my degrees, which were psychology and communications and ended up getting to do what I loved. So we had our um, son and he was early. So he was in the NICU for a month and I decided he wasn't going to go back to daycare. So I quit my position, my job, and um, just stayed home with him and just having one income 
we weren't used to that. So I started selling my stuff at a flea market. That's honestly how it started. I went to the Shady Hollow Flea Market in Detroit Lakes, which was only a half hour from where we were living and found that those were like my people. Mm-hmm. Like all these like gypsy souls were just surrounding me and it was just amazing. They came from all over the country and this is what they did for a living. And it was really inspiring because I know people probably are like, go to those flea markets and like, oh, these poor people, this is, you know, this is what they have to do. Cause it's a ton of work. It is. But yeah. oh my God, they are so, this is what they want to do. And they love people and they love traveling and they love finding new treasures and they love finding the new treasures homes. And I was like, oh my gosh, this kid, this is a thing. So that's kind of how our business started. Um, and then when we moved to Macintosh, well, there was a lot of empty buildings. So um, one of Bryce's cousins was like, hey, we're moving our store out of this building. She just wanted a storage. And I was like, yes, that would be great because we were still going and doing the flea markets. And I moved in and people just started stopping there. Like it was just a storage building. And then I'm like, wow. So then it became a store. Like it was literally that. that weird. It was that weird. And then I painted a sign and put it on top of the building. And that is literally how that happened. I know that sounds just, you know, people plan for these things. It wasn't the way you're supposed to probably start a build or a business, but that is the way it happened. We grew it from like super, super small to just people coming to us. You have to figure wow. out a name and everything. It was, it was really fun. <laughs> I love that. It was yeah. meant to be totally. It was meant to be. Yeah. What was the response from the community? I mean, were, were they excited? They were, they thought I was crazy. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like legit crazy because, you know, I come in guns blaring, you know, just like, yeah, that's cool. You know, you can have storage and stuff, but you know, businesses don't survive here, Andrea. Like this isn't a town. This town is dying. You know, I heard that a lot and not from bad people, but from people who had been living there for so long and seen so many, it's like their hearts were broken. You know, they were a little upset that they'd seen so many things fail. I'm sure you get your hopes up and then a business comes in and then they decide not to do it or it doesn't work out. And so basically they were pretty like, this is never going to work. And I'd have people stop by all the time saying, this is not a smart idea. You should not do this. Literally. Wow. Because in small towns, they're just like that. So I was certifiably like the crazy lady in town with a bunch of junk. I was a junk lady. And my car was always piled up with junk. And it, that, it was just the way it was. Until people started stopping. And then they became... The people who I think were very worried, worried for me, like in a nice way became my best customers. So yeah, I'm, but I'm still the crazy lady because I don't follow the rules, you know? So did it start pulling in people from other towns? Was that really kind of the main thing? Yeah. Um, so since we're on highway two, we go right between we're halfway between Grand Forks, North Dakota and Bemidji, Minnesota. And people in Grand Forks come through on Highway 2 to get to the lakes, Cass Lake and in Bemidji. And that is where kind of they all go. So we have this amazing um, customer base that comes from all over. And then we're 
we're just right in the middle. So it's like the perfect place to stop if you need to stretch your legs. It's the perfect place, you know, for your kids to run around a little bit because it is, you know, two and a half hours, if not longer. And so actually it's like the perfect location and people started stopping and then people started coming from other places. And then people started hearing about it. And then people started coming to us like they were actually just coming for us, which was really cool. We weren't just like, ah, since I'm here, you know, I have to use the bathroom. Can we, you know, come in? (laughs) It got to like, it got to like, oh my God, we're so excited to be here. And you know, and it's like, you follow you on Facebook. And I'm like, oh my God, this makes me feel just the coolest like ever because I don't know anything about that. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, that's so fun. So did you have regular hours then once you kind of put the sign up or how did you go about that? No, they were not regular at all. It was like whenever I could like do it because I still had my kids, you know, and they're both infants. And so it was basically, okay, we're going to be open every other Saturday. And then whenever I could, and then people are like, well, we want you to be open more. And I'm like, oh, I just, I don't want to. Then I hired someone who could help me and it just kind of grew from there. So then now that we have other businesses to accommodate as well, it makes a lot more sense for us to be open much more regularly. But that was my biggest fear about all of it was trying to commit to something, having a family and not wanting to be completely a slave to work, you know, because that was the whole point. But you also get to know your customer. They're like your family. And my kids are older now. They can come with me. So now we're open much more regularly. Great. Well, you mentioned this a little bit, but yeah, at some point you decided maybe there's more opportunity here than just one store. So what was your vision? Um, it was just, I had always loved old towns. I love driving through old towns. I love old buildings. I love history. I feel like everybody does. I don't know anyone who can drive through a small town and see a brick building that had all that money and everything put into trim and to the brick and to the exterior and not be like, that is so cool. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. That's just really cool. And you're like, man, someone should open a store there. So we're like, okay, what buildings are so cool that we should just open stores there? And there was this one block um, on the street, on the main street, and on the entire left side, which is a long block, there wasn't any business open, not one. So all the buildings had been sitting there abandoned for several years, some of them a lot, like way longer than that. And not only was it sad, but it was like a really good opportunity to create your own community. I mean, you could create anything you wanted to because there was no expectations because no one ever thinks you're going to do a very good job. So you didn't have to live up to anybody's expectations. (laughs) And Literally, the city was giving away one of these buildings, which we turned into three buildings for a dollar to anyone who could do it. And it was sitting there for years. And my husband's really good about rethinking things. So when we got our little shop on this corner, I was renting it and it was a horrible building. Not gonna lie. There was nothing cute or historic about this building. It was 
drop ceilings, leaking, smelt like oil, like, you know, not anything. But I turned it into this really cute little place and I loved it. But it started to get to the point where like the leaking was an issue and um, things were getting damaged. And we knew that we had to make a decision if we wanted to move. Well, there was this old theater building across the street that I wanted so bad. I mean, my dream was like for two years, I want that building. I know what I'm going to do with it. But like, I think every, every old town, sometimes people don't want to get rid of their buildings, not because they're using them, <laughs> yes, but because they used to be something, you know, they used to be my family's gas station that used to be. And the thought of it changing is very scary for people. And so I wanted that building so bad and I offered to buy it many, many times. And they said, no. And, and he was a really nice man and everything, but he just was like, no, you know, silly idea. Don't do it. And so my husband says, why don't we move more downtown? And I'd always been told you don't move your business off the highway, especially when you're not a destination town. You just don't do it. Like that is suicide. (laughs) You want to be on the highway. And so I just never even thought about it. And he's like, why don't we go and look at the old bakery? So Macintosh had this historic bakery. It was so good. And it was there for so long. And people actually knew about it from all over and would come there. And it had been closed for years and years and years. And people had tried to make a go of it and it didn't work. And so rethinking that was even hard for me because I was so ingrained that that was the bakery you can't, it's the bakery, you know, what if it, what if it opens again? And everybody I think kind of lives on that hope. And so I crushed everyone's dreams and I, (laughs) and I bought it and completely gutted it and remodeled it and sold off pieces of history and did all these things. But at the end of the day, it turned out awesome. I mean, it was just because I was downtown and I felt like that was where I was supposed to be, even though it was business suicide. I was like, this is just amazing. I had neighbors like across the street, there's a grocery store and there's Neil's meats, like an old butcher and, you know, the barber shop and the bank is dead. I could walk everywhere and it was amazing. So I loved that, but I didn't have any neighbor neighbors. It was me on that street and a bunch of old buildings. So that's kind of when we were just like, God, I want neighbors. Okay. Well, how do I get neighbors? Well, you beg people who are talented and hope to God that they trust you and that we can draw enough people to make it worth their while. And so that's, that's really how it happened. And I had a vendor, um, when I had my little shop by the highway and she's Howard soap company. So her name is Catherine and she would come every now and then, but she was from here originally, but then moved to Greenbush, Minnesota, which is way up North, which is so North that it's North for us. It's like actually (laughs) really North. Like we're South, you know? And so she lived up North and I heard she was moving back and I was like, gosh, this is our chance. Like, this is our chance. She's amazing. She's creative. She's got vision. She's got an awesome product. She's got a great following. Like, okay, let's see if we can get her to say that she will take a building if we will remodel it. 
And she did. And so after that, honest to God, things just started falling. So people called me and were like, Hey, do you got any more buildings you want? Like that you would want to rent? And I'm like, stop, like, no way. So then the red poppy who in our area is very established. She is out of Foston, Minnesota. And I really looked up to her because she was making the small town business work and she was really creative and she had a greenhouse and she was just really positive and was someone who motivated me when I was looking for someone to look up to. And she goes, Hey, um, so what if I opened a business in Macintosh? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, because someone from Foston coming from to Macintosh was like, you just don't do it. I mean, this is like a big deal. This was like, for some reason, also the things that I didn't know about small towns, you don't go to the next town because you're from Macintosh. You don't go, you don't want Erskine, you know, you just, there's someone from Erskine. You don't want to be from Erskine. You want to be, you know, it's so, it's bizarre, isn't it? Um, And so her family has a big grocery store and everything. And so for her to even have the faith in us that it would be a fun thing to do was amazing. And it's, you know, it's just incredible. So she's here now. And then um, we had a small little restaurant and it was called the BB Cafe. And it was also closed for years. And we don't have a cafe in our town anymore. And for anyone who knows about rural communities, that is like the hub of the community. And actually, I really feel like it keeps people alive because it gives them purpose. It's like the post office. It's like you can't take the post office because then people don't have to leave their house to get their mail, you know, and say hello to people because it's easier, you know, but the cafe closed and people were really sad about that. Well, that was the building that the city was offering for a dollar. And so we split the one cafe into the three original buildings that it was. Cause that one grew, it was like this huge restaurant and it's like, Ugh, you know, you can't really support that. So one side turned into um, the beauty room salon. And I actually went to Ashley and I'm just like any chance because she's young and she's cool. And she's got like amazing talent and not like cool, small town talent, but like amazing talent for anywhere. And she has people coming from Grand Forks and whatever to get their hair done. I'm like, any chance you'd want, you know, your own building? She's like, yeah. And so now we only have one vacant building that is much smaller on that, um, that side of the street. So now I'm surrounded by people with the same kind of mindset, similar age, similar values, same motivation. And the last building is going to be a cafe. And so that we were planning on opening this past spring <laughs> but, <laughs> well, right now, but now obviously we're not doing that. But once that's in, it'll be just icing on top of the cake. So yeah, you're serving a lot of needs that your community needs, but then you're also bringing stuff that will bring people from other communities too. So I love it. It's like this great mix. Well, and you know, they, I think that's what they used to try to do. I mean, like planned communities and so, you know, living in the suburbs and malls. And so we're just like, let's just make this a different, 
Let's bring in people who complement each other. Don't compete against each other. Mm-hmm. Have similar clients, but not the same clients. Yeah. So they all bring something new to the table and people who want to work together. So for marketing, we can all market together. So it's cheaper. We can all share staff because we use the same systems. You know, we thought about that in a sense that we were like one, the shops of Macintosh instead of Minnesota Rust, Howard Soap Company, the Red Poppy. You know, we wanted to make it like this community business that was all about working together, which I think used to be the model kind of everywhere. So, yeah. Well, I can imagine these buildings, I mean, as with a lot of old buildings, needed some help when you bought them. So tell us a little bit about that process and bringing them up to a place where they could house a business again. Um, yeah, they're pretty bad. I mean, <laughs> the bakery was by far the best because it was just so solid. It was solid brick. But of course, you know, none of these places had heat or anything before, so they're not insulated. They didn't, they had the original windows and, um, they have upper stories that had been neglected. Like mine had a fire in it in the seventies and no one ever went back up there. So the building next door, they had an issue upstairs and everyone had to get out of that building. Well, no one literally like the TVs and stuff are still up there from the seventies. And so when you let a building sit like that in the cold and the heat and the cold and the heat, they just, um, they just change. Yeah. Yeah. And so we didn't really know how it was going to work because some of these buildings haven't been heated. Oh man, like 20 years. So it's like, how is this going to affect the structure of the building? How is the foundation going to do? There are a lot of weight, but the way they built these buildings, like the shell is just so amazing that we just decided we're just going to gut it. We're going to turn them into stuff that they weren't. And we're going to do the best we can on limited budget. So we talked to the people who wanted the buildings first and kind of said, where can you be as far as rent? Um, You know, where are you at with this? Because we don't want to do anything that would make it unattainable. We want the bill or we want everyone to succeed So really we did the bare bones that we had to do in every space and just recreated them. But my husband, he is a contractor, um, sort all construction. And he also thought I was crazy. I mean, he's the one, I swear it's always his idea. And then I'm the one who's crazy. It's his fault. No, because (laughs) I'm the one who's like, okay, this is what we've got to do. And he's like, no, that's not possible. And I'm like, well, it's gotta be possible there's got to be a way to do this. And he's like, okay, fine. You know? And then we brought on some, um, some people from the Amish community to help us. They're a big part of our community and, um, we've worked with them for a long time and they are just very good with old buildings and making stuff work and not caring that it has to be perfect. Cause these buildings, they're not perfect and they're not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Um, the beauty salon is about as perfect as it gets for us. It's a beautiful space because it's the newest space. But the other ones, they're just these big old abandoned buildings. And we wanted them to keep that too. You know, we wanted to show how these buildings used to look too. So it was my favorite part by far is the actual remodeling of the buildings. Because every time you'd peel something off, there was another layer because people were just like that. So there would be like, 
four subfloors. And you're like, you've got to be kidding. Like how many basements can there possibly be? Or how, how many walls are on here? You know, because you keep taking one layer off and you're like, oh my God, but it would be from a different time. So like in one of the buildings, it was so dark and dilapidated and the ceiling was just like, and the floors were like 15 inches sunken down in the middle. And we started taking that thing apart and we found this whole wall of old tin. And it used to be a teen club, like way back in the day. Wow. Like way. And so all of these people had signed their names when they were teenagers, including Bryce's parents, Jimmy and Roxy back in the day, you know, and just to see all that and that history is just like, you guys, this is incredible. So then people would start coming by. I mean, like checking in on things like, Hey, I wonder if my name's on there. I wonder if so-and-so's names are on there. And then they would have company coming for Memorial day and they would swing by and be like, Hey, I heard that you guys found this or whatever. I don't know. It's just, to me, there's just so much magic in like these old buildings and these renovations. And I don't mean to make them sound like they're easy. They're not, but they are really fun. They're really fun. So have you been able to like the upstairs, do you have any second story housing? Um, that's a really good question. So we have two buildings that have upper levels. One is mine and there was a fire up there. And then I have a plan for that space kind of in the future, a dream for that space. But then above um, Howard Soap Company, there were actually apartments up there and they're in horrible shape because at some point the roof leaked. And um, so they're just, like I said, all the furniture, the clothing, everything is still there. Mattresses. So what we're doing is we actually applied for a grant through the housing authority and we want to do two um, apartments up there, a two bedroom and a one bedroom and just do it through them because there's such a housing shortage Yeah, and um, they'll help with the renovation costs. And then we just have to make sure that people qualify for their assistance when they are actually in the housing. So I'm really excited about that. And that's supposed to take place in fall. And I really hope that comes through too. You just don't know, you know, yeah. it's kind of uncertain right now, but yeah. our plan is to start that in the fall. I love it. That's just gets my head spinning <laughs> full of ideas. What advice would you have for somebody who has a dream like you had for their town? What would you say to them? I would say be willing. If this is something you want to do, go for it. Don't listen to people who say it's not going to work. Realize what the risks are, you know, so you're not, it's not like, this is without risk. This isn't all fun. It's a lot of hard work, but if you're willing to do it, I would say do it because at some point you just have to make that decision. And what we decided is we weren't going to save money for college for our kids. All of that money was going to go into this town. And that was a choice that we made, but we realized that, you know, we wouldn't have extra funds for a long time, but that at the end, the investment would pay off because you're building a memory for your kids instead of the future. Cause we don't know what the future holds. And we learned that really quickly that you think, you know, what's going on. And five seconds later, it's completely flipped upside down. And so we're like, you know what, we're not going to save for their future. We're going to invest in their present. And I think if somebody has the passion and really feels that, 
it's something that they can stick to. I'm like, just do it. Like, and I will help you. Like, there's a whole bunch of people who would love to do this and who have every skill set to do this. And I know it's scary. And I know it's just like, really, why would you? It's taking on something really big that doesn't necessarily work, but it can work. Yeah. I mean, it really can work and it pays off. All the work pays off. All the people who start coming back for reunions pays off because there's something to do or they come for Easter because they know that they'll have, you know, something to do with the girls, like with their mom and their sisters. And those things are just priceless. And then also just having that vibrant downtown life is like, seriously, we've just created what we wanted for our kids to experience because it was gone, but anyone could do this, honestly. So that's good. You mentioned, you know, there was kind of this perception that, well, our town's dying and like a lot of people had just already given up on it. What would you say for advice on how to shift that mentality? Because I think that's a common mentality. But if we are going to come in and do these things, a shift has to happen. And maybe it's just more by example. But what would you say about that? I would say you just have to prove to people it can work. And you don't need everyone on your side. And there's always going to be naysayers and to give them some grace because these people have lived here. This is their community. I'm a new person. I don't have these emotional attachments that most other people in this community have. And whether that's because they remember walking down main street when it was whatever, and they don't want to lose those memories or we all have those feelings about things like moving from your first house. It's like, Oh my gosh, well, it's the same kind of thing. So just give them grace because know that they are grieving a loss. They are losing what they had and they've lost it time and time again. But this is really just saying, Hey, this is done. Like, this is just, we're going to stop now and we're just going to re we're going to rethink about this, replan this and also ask them to help ask them their advice. I mean, no one knows their towns better than the people who have lived there forever. And some people might get a bad rap because, oh, so-and-so is always so negative or so-and-so is or whatever. Well, they might be the best person to reupholster that bench. Or they might be someone who's like knows about electric and they're retired. Or they might be an old mason and really help you with the structure of your building. Or for me... I could not have done this without the community because of everyone who came in and gave their help. Yeah. So across the street is Neil's meat market and without Bobby and Lori. So they have been there their whole lives. And Bobby grew up in that butcher shop. It was his dad's without them knowing the history of these buildings and sharing that with me and talking about the plumbing issues that they had across the street and talking about all this stuff and helping me with everything. and tools. It just doesn't work. So I think just getting people involved, not even necessarily being like, Hey, see what we can do. It's more like, Hey guys, we could totally do this. You know, we can do this. Like, and you have to be the positive one all the time. And if you're unsure, lie about it. (laughs) (laughs) Fake it till you make it, right? (laughs) That is huge. Fake it till you make it. Because 
they're looking at you and they're putting their trust in you and you, you better do well on their faith. You know, you better, you better work hard enough. And even if it doesn't work out, they need to know that you kept up your end of the deal and not just someone who's coming in to leave again. And there's a lot, there's a lot of trust in small towns and a lot of mistrust in small towns for people who aren't from there. And so I think just overcoming that and being part of the community, I think is the best way to get people on board. That's great. How have you honored the history of the town while bringing it up to the present to make it work for today's day and age? Wow. That's, um, that is a hard balance, you know, because you can come into a small town guns blazing and being like, we're changing all this and this is not the way things work. But guess what? No one's going to be on board with that. And remember why you're doing it. You know, you're doing it for everyone. And this is, you know, a we situation, a partnership between you and the community. So I guess I would say taking the time to acknowledge what it was just with people, with newspaper articles, with, um, there is a gal in our town who is applying for a grant for historical markers on the buildings to say what they were at each time and, and honoring the people who gave their livelihoods there. I mean, they'll tell you who was there their entire lives, you know, and they'll be like, oh, that used to be Marion's dress shop. And that used to be, well, you have to, um, you do have to honor that because that stuff is important. And I hope it's important when we get older too, that we could be like, Hey, that used to be Minnesota rest or that used to be whatever. But I think just going in with the mindset that this isn't like an us versus them, but it's a, what do we need? Like, what are our needs in this town? Will that work? Is there a plan that we can do to get a cafe again? Because old school cafes are going out of business left and right. I mean, what is a business plan that we can put into place that serves not only the people in town and the farmers, but also serves people coming from all over and has what they want to offer too. So I think it's just making sure everybody feels welcome. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's about it. That's great. Yeah. What's next for you and for downtown besides the restaurant? We know that's coming. Um, this has been a really weird, like <laughs> this has been a weird few months. Yeah. Um, so what we planned before is not probably going to happen for a while just because we need to get our, um, our feet under us again, I think a little bit, cause you know, your kids are home and you're doing school and everything that's not quite done yet. But for us, we just, um, we're working on purchasing another building. Um, people always, they're like, oh my God, you're going to own the whole town. Well, nobody wanted it. So yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to put that out there. <laughs> nobody wanted it. And I hope to God that somebody comes and buys some of these buildings. And I hope that actually, um, I hope that the shop owners do because it's a good investment for them too. But we're going to open a warehouse in another rental space. Um, so we can kind of clean up another side of the block. And I think our future is just, I can't even imagine it right now. 
like I don't even put that much stock into it. I have dreams. And my dream is that people come from all over and they come here for the entire day and they have everything they need here so that they don't have to leave. So that means that they can come here and they can stay, whether that's in the campground or we have an Airbnb above Minnesota Rust or whatever. They can come, they can stay, they can mingle with everyone who lives here. They can have a really slow, just pace while they're here. They can go shopping, they can visit the parks, but that they come and just have a wonderful experience and leave being like, we've got to do that again. And wow, maybe we should move to a community like this. Like, honestly, that would be my dream is like people to, to understand the value and walk away being like, okay, rural towns are awesome. Big cities, not so much. No, just kidding. They are really cool. They've got what, you know, there's big city people and, but just saying, Hey, you know, we don't always have to have something going on. We don't always have to be like, whatever it can, we can just take our time and just enjoy each other and talk to each other on the street and walk everywhere. And yeah, I think that's my, that's my hope that it becomes a place where people just are. Yeah. That's so good. Well, how do we follow along? Oh, well, we have Minnesota Rust has a Facebook page and an Instagram page. So just Minnesota Rust on Facebook. Um, you can follow us there. And I think we're actually going to start doing a website as well as a Facebook page for the shops of Macintosh. And whoever wants to be involved with that can be involved. But what that'll entail is basically all of us coming together to do events and plan things, special things, food trucks, promoting things. Um, so I'm hoping that we'll get that launched here pretty soon so that we're one entity. Um, now that we can open on Monday, which I am also very concerned about because I just got used to this. <laughs> I just, I'm not good with change. I know it sounds like I must be good with change, but I'm actually very structured. And so I just figured this all out and now we're going back to that. So hopefully they can follow along with Minnesota Rust and that builds into following Howard Soap Company, the Red Poppy, Neil's Meats, Jared's Groceries, um, Ronnie's Barbershop and the Beauty Room. And they can follow them all alone, but you'll find us all together too. So I hope that that's how you guys can kind of find us. But right now it's just, we're still, I don't even have a website. I mean, to me, that's so scary. I mean, that is a lot. That's a huge commitment. Like to me, that scares me way more than flipping a building. <laughs> because it's like ac access for everyone. So, I mean, that would be on our radar too, is to do a website. That's great. But, and, oh, I should mention too, huge part of this was my best friend, Katie. Okay. Who I met when I got here. And she has a marketing firm at her house on a lake that is like nationally recognized and she just does it from her house. And she's like just this amazing visionary. And she's a huge part of this too, because she's the one behind every good idea that makes it happen because I'll say, Hey, this is a good idea. And Bryce will say, well, we can or can't do that. And she'll be like, and this is how you make it work. 
or this is how you sell it. So I should definitely give huge props out to Katie. Well, we will post links to all of that. And are you guys open? You know, is it Monday? Does everything open back up so people can come visit when we're all ready to venture out and travel? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're going to be open every Thursday into the evening, every Saturday or every Friday and every Saturday. Okay. All the shops. However, we're, we're going to see how this goes. We're pretty flexible as far as schedule. We want to see what people want. So if you have feedback on that, that would be great. We also all open by appointment. So let's say you have like a girl time getaway or you want to go like with your family somewhere. We can open up for people um, while we're figuring this out. So yeah, I, I hope that we're open next week back to regular hours, which we've never had because we've never all been open. Because this is literally our first summer of all of us. I've only been in my old building. This will be the second year. Wow. And then Howard. So this happened. I should acknowledge that. This all happened in like five months. Wow. Like me moving, flipping, buying. I mean, it was like a crazy whirlwind. So we don't even know what we're doing. I mean, this is going to be interesting. So people have a really good opportunity to shape what we're doing right now. So if you have any suggestions or if there's anything you want, just be really good to like hit us up. Cause we don't really, we're like the blind leading the blind over here. We're just like, we're going to do this and have faith that it's going to work out. So it sounds yeah. so fun and I can't <laughs> wait to come visit in person. Yes. We can't wait to have you. It's such a good experience. And this one thing like sticks out in my head. So when we were in that little old building on highway two, we had customers who came from Bemidji and they're such good customers. And they became friends and were always so helpful and whatever. Well, one day they came and they got stuck here because we had a tractor parade and those are slow. Tractor <laughs> parades are so slow. I'm talking hours and they were literally stuck. So they had to like walk around by the end of the day, they wanted to move there because everyone was like, oh my gosh, you need to blah, 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 go over here. And they're like, we never knew there was so much to do here. And I'm like, that is so cool. So anyway, I just had to throw that out there that like, yeah. That's, yeah, I think that's great. Well, maybe that'll be me too. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yes, we'll keep you. We'll keep you here. Well, I love Andrea's story of how she sort of stumbled into something that really was meant to be all along. I can't wait to come visit Macintosh, and I hope you'll put it on your list of places to visit soon, too. Be sure to check out the show notes and the blog for pictures of the transformation that has taken place here. Huge thanks to Andrea for being on the podcast and inspiring us all, and thanks to you for tuning in and staying with us as we record these podcasts remotely during quarantine. We look forward to being back out on the road again soon, but until then, stay healthy and safe and have a great day, everybody.